I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Autumn is fast approaching and I love this season. It's a time of great change in the garden. As the weather cools, our gardens change from green to shades of yellow and orange. Our annuals die back and we get to reap the rewards of all the hard work on our vegetable patches. It's like the Goldilocks season, not too hot and not too cold. And we can really get on with some really lovely jobs like collecting leaf mould and planting bulbs. Today on Gardening with the RHS, we want to celebrate everything autumn has to offer. I'm Fiona Davison, and in today's show, we'll hear about the top tasks to do in the garden this month, how to design an outdoor space that looks fantastic in autumn, and we'll be looking at what's been troubling RHS members recently. So let's begin with the nitty-gritty and work on a gardening to-do list for this season with advisor Nikki Barker. Right, my first top tip is actually almost nothing to do with plants, but get yourself a pen and paper. Have a walk round and see what worked for you this year, what you want to think about for next year, what was too much work, what wasn't enough work, and make a list because autumn is a really good time for planting. So... If you plant something in the autumn, the soil's really warm. It's not just bulbs, that's shrubs and perennials. If you think about what you want to happen in the garden next year that maybe didn't happen this year, then autumn's a really good time to plant those plants and make some decisions on what you'd like to have. It's a really good time now to start collecting some of your own seeds if you want to. So especially if you've grown things like sunflowers and marigolds, English marigolds, nasturtiums, things like that, you can collect the seeds from them now. You can either sow some of them now if you want, especially calendula, but save them and you can get them in next spring. Or you can just scatter them on the ground, particularly things like sunflowers, and they will self-seed and pop up in all sorts of different places. They won't necessarily be exactly the same as the sunflowers you had this year, but it's a really good fun thing to do. And often they come up in, in the most unexpected places if you scatter them about. And if you're new to gardening, a lot of these things like sunflowers are very easy to grow and easy to collect from seed. 
if you're a vegetable gardener, you need to be getting the last of your harvest in. Get your potatoes dug up if you haven't already, which I confess I haven't. Otherwise, the slugs will eat them. So you need to be lifting the remainder of your harvest. Start clearing out things. Tomatoes are often starting to come to an end now and peppers. So start getting the last of your harvest in and then you can start having a bit of a clean down because hygiene is really important. So you want to be looking at clearing out your greenhouses, making sure that there's no debris left around where pests and diseases can stay over winter. Another top tip for allotments is as you're lifting all of those things that you harvest, particularly potatoes, you're going to have areas of fallow ground. So get some green manures in. It prevents weed spreading. It's a really good way of enriching your soil and keeping that nutrient in the soil ready for your planting next spring. If you want to try your hand at propagation, autumn is a really good time to do that. So if you've had some bedding geraniums, for example, in pots, then it's a really good idea to take cuttings from them now so you get lots of free plants next year. Geraniums are really easy to propagate, but also you could propagate things like rosemary, salvias, penstemons, even lavender and things like cistus and choicea if you want to try your hand at doing something a little bit more difficult. If you haven't got a greenhouse, it doesn't matter. You can just pop geranium cuttings on the windowsill and they'll root and then you'll have even more plants next year. Talking of things like geraniums, it's a really good idea to start thinking about where you're going to bring in and put your tender plants for overwintering. Lots of bedding plants are actually tender perennials, so they will come up every year, but they get killed by the frost. So if you want to save them for next year, you need to think about where you're going to put them, where they're going to be not necessarily heated over winter, but where they're not going to be affected by really cold and wet weather. So that could be a shed as long as there's some light getting into it or just a back bedroom or something like that or just pop them on the windowsill. Hard work top tip. It's a good time to do some last pruning of your hedges if you want to tidy up some hedges. Autumn's a good time to do that. And also your climbing roses will need pruning September, October so you get a good framework ready for next year. So that's your hard work, your keep fit work for the autumn along with the clearing up it's really good to make sure you clear up all the leaves and and things like that get them in the compost heap so that your compost is still maturing for next year and you can use it as a mulch next spring daffodils tulips you need to think about what you want to come up next spring september october is a good time to plant them because the ground is warm but also think about perennials that you might want to get in so that could be flocks penstemons agapanthus all things like that they're really good planted in the autumn when you're planting your bulbs as well if you want to have beautiful containers with spring bulbs in then get them planted now that's a really good thing to do Nikki's always full of wise advice, especially that advice to make a list. It's so easy to forget things, even in a small garden. Plants and animals have minds of their own and don't always do what we want them to do. 
That's why we've got a team of top-notch advisors to help our RHS members with all manner of thorny questions. Let's hear what's come up recently. Hello, I'm Lee Hunt and I'm Principal Horticulture Advisor at the RHS. Today I've got with me James, another Principal Horticulture Advisor, and Anne, one of our team also. Hello. Hello. First questions from Daisy. Hiya, can you please recommend some bright flowers for pots over autumn and winter? Ours are looking bedraggled and I'd love to add some colour. I had some pansies last year which did well, but the ones we've got left are past it. Should I get some more? So, James, I know you grow loads of plants in pots in your garden. These pansies from last year, have they had it? I think often things like pansies and violas, which tend to be the sort of obvious autumn and winter choice, can often need replacing on an annual basis. We really treat them like annual plants. Lots of people may have them survive for longer than that, but they tend to get a bit scraggly and often produce less flower. So yes, if you're going for something that's high flower value through the autumn and winter, violas and pansies are still a good bet. I particularly prefer some of the yellow violas, which can be sweetly scented as well, which can be quite nice. And if you're looking for something to trail a little bit, ivy is quite often used, but something like a juga can get different coloured foliage types of a juga, which can trail over just to help soften the edges of the containers. Anne, have you got any kind of top plants that you like for over winter? Well, I do love the pansies and the bulbs as well, but I think a lot of garden centres at this time of the year, they have lots of little shrubs that are evergreen and um, things like the winter flowering heathers and the grasses like carex and those kind of things that will give you a bit of structure and a bit of foliage colour right through the winter. I think those are quite nice. So with any luck, colour there for months. Our next question comes from Conrad Murphy. I have a 10-year-old lemon tree in a south-facing unheated porch. It sets fruit but drops a lot. And the real problem I have is it becomes very straggly in terms of its uh, branches and I can never get it to keep any sort of shape. Is there anything I can do to encourage it to branch from the centre? I've tried cutting back, but uh, within a year it's straggly again. So we've got a very straggly citrus here. First of all, is it the right time to think about cutting back? I don't really think you'd probably do it in about February, just before it comes into growth. I think at that time you could cut back those long leggy shoots by about two thirds, maybe. And then it should regrow quite strongly. Cut back so that you could see a healthy bud that was growing sort of pointing out away from the centre of the bush so that you were getting a nice shape. It's true to say, I mean, if you go to the Mediterranean, that they will cut back a lot of citrus in early spring anyway. The next step, of course, is that they grow and then they're flowering. But then often the next thing we see is very yellow leaves because we get a lot of those, don't we, James? They they come in. What's our normal advice with that? Well, I think the citrus questions are always quite difficult. I think there are various things that can go wrong. I wonder whether there's other things going on that are causing this citrus not to be in the best of health, maybe. So talking about where it is in the porch and so on, that may well be fine for most of the year. They don't tend to like it if it gets much below about 10 degrees in the winter. So 
it could be that if it's maybe a little bit drafty or it's not a well-insulated porch, that it could really be suffering from some of that winter collateral, if you like, and, and it's just taking time to recover from that. If you can, through summer, I always think it's a really good tip to try and use rainwater where you can on citrus. They're one of a group of plants that can sometimes not like tap water, particularly if you live in a quite a hard water area. All those little things can make a difference. And the feeding, which some people get a little bit confused about, but basically there are different feeds, winter and a summer feed, which are balanced in a different way to get the most out of your citrus at that time. So have a look at using them in the correct way as well. This one comes from Philip Marshall. Hi, we've got a black leaf elder and it's sort of got away from us. It's now 15 feet high. How do I take it down? How far can I take it down reasonably? And when do I take it down is the question I've got to ask. So, black leaf elder, what's this plant? Because obviously elder can mean several things. So what do we think this is? I'm assuming we're talking about uh, Sambucus here and that there are quite a few black leaf cultivars available now that, that are quite popular but the, a lot of them do get quite large and they can be quite vigorous fairly fast growing actually used to grow quite a lot of these in some grounds where i used to work and we used to experiment on different pruning methods so quite an interesting question for me it's one of those things where you can cut them quite hard sort of in march time early spring and you'll get fairly vigorous regrowth. But what happens there is it intensifies the colour and the foliage size can actually be slightly larger as well. So it's basically a type of what we would call a coppicing. So that's great if you want to do that for nice full foliage and a deeper colour. If you're wanting it for the flowers, that's going to be slightly different because obviously if you cut them back really hard, Sometimes you get that vigorous regrowth and the flowering can suffer as a result of that. So on the experiments we did, we had the same cultivars and we treated them in different ways. And the ones that we selectively pruned, so in other words, when they'd finished flowering, we cut some of the older stems back really hard and some of the slightly younger stems just sort of half the height. And that seemed to give us the best result in terms of overall performance, seeing the flowers, but also keeping them invigorated. Lee Hunt, Anne Adam and James Lawrence. I'm the head of libraries and exhibitions at the RHS, and autumn plays an interesting part in our collections because it's thanks to autumn and the rich apple harvest that it brings that we've got some of our most beautiful paintings. 200 years ago, the RHS wanted to record the different apple varieties, and before photography, they turned to art, and commissioned an artist called William Hooker, who painted some of the most beautiful apple images you can imagine, from deep ruby reds through russets and yellows and greens, making the apples look really crisp and three-dimensional, so nice you could pick them off the pages. But our gardens aren't just all about food production. And with this in mind, I'm keen to make my garden look as lovely in autumn as it is at any other time of the year. Usually in September, my plot begins to wind down a bit as some of the summer plants start to die back. But I know someone who can help brighten the space. Garden designer and presenter Flo Hedlam is here to tell us how to create a garden that will wow visitors over the next few months. 
what do I like about autumn in my garden? My garden is a relatively new garden. I've only been here two years, so I'm still getting used to it. But this year in particular, I'm really looking forward to just seeing how the colours and the textures in particular work in my garden. So I've got grasses, I've got a lot of dark leaf flowers, plants. I've also got some flowering plants that kind of go through right until the first frost. So it's just interesting just to see how all those things play out with each other. There are all sorts of things I do to prepare my garden for autumn. A lot of deadheading, a lot of weeding, which is something that you know most gardeners are like, oh, I've got a weed. Well, I am anyway, I've got a weed. So I think tidying it up, making it still look as crisp as it did three, four months ago. What I've actually been doing this year is in the front of my borders where some of the plants have died down, I've taken some pots that are still actually got quite a lot of interest and put them in the front of my borders. So I'm just filling out the front bit so it just looks fuller and there's still some particularly colour interest there. And actually, I'm just moving some pots around in the garden. So, for example, um, my tomato plants, I mean, they're heavy with tomatoes, but they still need to colour up. So I've moved them further down the garden where they're going to get more sun throughout the day. So, I mean, if you have a garden with pots, you can actually just sort of change the dynamism of the garden by just moving things around. I've got quite a lot of sedums in pots. I've got a table with my sedum. So I've, I've actually just moved it into a different part of the garden so your eye catches it from a different angle. So there are some top tips, I think, for designing a garden that will look good in autumn. One of the things I love actually just designing a garden anyway is putting in some anchor plants. So some evergreens that are really just going to provide structure throughout the garden. And then you want to think about late flowering plants or late summer autumn flowering plants. And there's a whole sort of plethora of plants from grasses, perennials, climbers that can give you that late season interest in the garden. I particularly like grasses. I think they hold their structure. They're beautiful throughout the spring and the the summer, but they hold their structure in the autumn and going into winter as well. And for example, you can have, you know, arching forms or upright forms, you know, really strong colours. And I think they really work well in the autumn and into winter garden. And one of my favourite plants is um, Flomis rosiliana. I love it as a flowering plant and then just as a structural plant in autumn and winter. I think it's just gorgeous. Flomis is a strong structural plant. It's very upright and you have these flower buds that are situated along the stem of the plant. So if you look at one particular upright stem, you might have four, five, six flower buds. And then after they've died, they just hold their structure. So even though they've turned brown, they're still very statuesque and and structural. Also, I think in terms of a garden that has interest throughout the year, but but also for autumn, I, I always think of textures and I always think of plants that have fine texture, medium texture and a coarse texture. So for example, I really like pittosporums. 
And I have put quite a few Pittosporum Arundel, Silver Queen in my designs. Medium texture, for example, like Pittosporum or Deutzia or some Hydrangeas, Paniculatas. Really love those textures. And then for coarse texture, I love Fatsias and Mahonias. I love Fig Tree. I love Rogersia. I actually do quite like dramatic plants and also lots of formiums. I like quite dramatic structures. And I think if you put those in and you put in evergreens, then they really just sort of like hold the garden and hold the interest and hold a shape throughout the year. And then I'm also thinking of colour for later in the season in autumn. So, for example... You can still get pinks and oranges and yellows and, and purples at that time of the year. And there are bulbs that you can plant like Noreen, Baldenii or Hesperantha. There are those lovely lily type flowers, lots of yellows like Rebecca and Helianthus. Salvias also really work really well into the autumn and there's loads of varieties. But in particular, I can think of Amistad, Purple Majesty and Ostfriedland. Yeah, those in particular are, are, are really good. And, and as pollinators, you know, you'll have the bees in your garden right throughout the summer and into the autumn. So that's really important as well. What would you look forward to your garden in autumn? I think just seeing how some plants are still flourishing, they're still giving you good value for money. And also as well, for me, autumn is a time to start thinking about planning. For me, it's a time to reflect on the garden and to think about the things that have worked, things that haven't worked, and you can interrogate that. But also to start to plan, you know, okay, am I going to put bulbs in now for the spring? Or there are things that, you know, I want to divide, things that I want to edit out. So it's a good time for reflection, looking back, but also looking forward. So many useful tips from Flo there. If you want to learn more about autumnal gardening, then head to rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening to our 200th full episode of the podcast. I can't quite believe it. If you're new to the podcast or a long-standing listener, it's great to have you on board. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, Fiona Davison. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilise the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. 
Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.